to the MC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of this awesome podcast and the founder of MC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. We talk residential and we talk commercial. That is where the fun is. If you want to find out more about what I do, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk where you will see every single little thing that I do. Come and join me. Come and join the community. Be part of it. Be part of the conversation. I would love to see you in NC Real Estate. And if you like this podcast, I'm going to say this at the beginning this time. Don't forget to like, rate and review because that is what helps me get this podcast out to more people because I think that is really, really, really important. There is some important news in this podcast that you're going to want to share. Today, I'm talking all about the blind spots in property investment that you need to be aware of right now. And I work with so many investors. I work with a lot of mixed use property portfolios. I do residential, I do purely commercial, right? That's the range of my clients. And those are my clients within the members club. And I am seeing a lot of things come up that we've not had to really deal with before. And I wanted to discuss that with you today so that you do not fall foul to some of the things that are going on in the industry right now, because it's pretty despicable. And you know that when Natasha Collins sees something that's not right, I get frustrated. Okay, point number one that we definitely need to talk about. And I've got my whiteboard here for you podcast listeners, because I do need to have a a board full of everything that shows exactly what I mean. Okay, so number one, brokers not having access to the full market. Lenders are being problematic, right? I can't stress that enough. Lenders are problematic. They are being problematic across the board. That is because they're worried about risk, right? You would be too in this market if you're lending. People think that they can offer over the odds. Market value is up here when it's actually here. You know, of course, they have a reason to be worried. And we're coming into this period. I mean, Brexit. Guys, did you not see that Boris Johnson's negotiation skills are the worst? The worst! I don't know anybody who has literally gone into a negotiation and got nothing out of it, right? Come off it. Even if the only thing that you do is sit down with Michelle Barnier and say, hey, Michelle, what do you need out of this deal? And then you start there. Boris Johnson has got no mojo, obviously, has no idea how to freaking negotiate. Moron. Okay, right, I'm starting there. The reason that I'm talking um, about this and I've talked about Brexit is that's the reason why lenders are feeling like everything's risky. We've got Brexit, we're coming out of a pandemic, injections and vaccines starting to be rolled out, but not on the scale that's going to get everybody vaccinated instantly. We, so they're worried because this pandemic could go on. And so you're starting to need to show that you have a contingency in place for if anything goes wrong, that you can support your property portfolio, that you're at least going to be employed, or if you're a big portfolio landlord, that you know that you have got enough money coming in and you have a business plan for that. And side note, we did business plans with our cash flow strategies in the members club 
all the time. It's important that my investors know where their cash is coming from for the next 10 years. This is why we put this stuff together, right? It shows the lender that you know what you're doing. And that is so, so, so important. But with that, brokers obviously have to jump over more hurdles. There's more things that they need to be doing. There's more things that they need to be thinking about. And quite honestly, the situations for lending are becoming a little bit more problematic as well, because you have these specialist properties, you have an idea of value, there's things you want to do with them, and you might not need the traditional lending anymore. A lot of brokers will be out on social media telling you that they've got access to the whole market. You give them a call and actually they can't do anything about it. Please be aware of this. Don't just take people at face value. Yes, get in contact with them, offer the, the business, but also give them a turnaround time. If they don't get back to you in 48 hours, 72 hours, it's best to keep moving forward and get on the phone to lenders yourself. There are a lot of lenders out there who will talk to you. You might not want to choose their mortgage product or you might want advice after you've spoken to them. That's what brokers are for, that's what your legal team are for, right? But you can get on the phone and speak to these lenders and I seriously advise you do. Brokers are being slower than ever or they're not replying to you. And I have that in my own portfolio, my gosh. I had a broker or a regular broker phone me up and say, hey Natasha, let me help you refinance your portfolio. That was 10 days ago. Right? I actually don't need to refinance right now. I was just kind of sucking and seeing what was going on. Um, but if they really wanted the business and they cared that much, they would have found me a product, surely. Why bother phoning me? I didn't approach you. Um, and we're seeing this across the market. So please, you have to be persi persistent. If you need lending right now, if you need um, to remortgage or get a new product, persistence realize that you might have to do a lot of phoning around yourself. So be aware of that. I've told you, put in place an hour a day to phone around um, different mortgage lenders, different brokers, and just see what you can find. That leads me on to the second point. Lenders pulling out last minute over seemingly small things, or just getting really worried, or getting fixated on tiny amounts in bank accounts or the fact that you might not be this person or you might be doing something else, expect to jump through hoops. I say that again, expect to jump through hoops. Especially if after point one that I've just told you, you know, I've, I've just said, you might have to be going out there and doing a lot of digging yourself for a mortgage product. product. You're going to have to jump through hoops. And if that takes you time and a and a lender says jump, for the most points, you're probably gonna have to say how high. It's not great, it is a lender's market, they get to choose what they lend on. But the good news for you is that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lenders. And every day we're seeing new lenders come into the market, take products out, put new products in. Just keep moving forward. But what you don't want to do is refuse to do something, lender pulls out, and then you get backlisted and other lenders don't lend to you either because they all sit on similar panels, they talk to one another, they know what's going on in the market. You assume that all lenders have knowledge of you being difficult, okay? If you are being difficult, then they're going to say, well, we're not lending to you and we're gonna tell other people not to lend to you either. You don't want that. If you can jump through a hoop, fantastic. If it gets to this, the kind of 
side of things where you can't provide any more information. Hopefully, you're far enough down the convincing route where your uh, solicitor says, okay, enough. We're going to complete on this. Are you coming? Yes or no. But your solicitor will also help you make that decision, right? If it's early doors and you're trying to find lending, you need to keep doing what they ask you to do. As I said, lenders want business plans, three years worth of accounts, contingencies. They want to see the full lot. And if they ask you that, you just listen to this podcast. So I've told you that you have to have that ready. Get it ready. Show them how you're going to be a good, competent landlord in 2021 and how you're going to make sure that the money that you're borrowing is not put at risk. Point number three, reading leases. I don't think I can get on this podcast any more times and tell you, you must read a lease if you're buying leasehold. If you're still listening to this and thinking, nah, that's what my solicitor is for, don't buy leasehold. All right, there you go. That's my advice for you. That is my professional advice. If you don't read the lease yourself, don't buy it. I'll let that hang there for a bit. The reason you need to read a lease is because, guess what? All of your team are human. We're all human, right? I can read a lease. My solicitor can read a lease. I can get Chris, my husband, to read a lease. He won't. Side note, don't think I'm going to see Chris reading a lease anytime. But the point that I'm making is we could all read a lease and have slightly different interpretations, right? And then that's for me to then ask my solicitor, hey, Nishita, um, quick question on this. Do you think this means the same as I think it means? She'll either say yes or she'll say no. She's actually the more competent individual on reading leases because that's what she's professionally trained for. She's my legal advisor. But that's not to say that she's not human and might not have picked up on something that I'm really interested in. The same as, oh, and just a rewind on that. I don't hold that against her. I don't think she is the worst person in the world for that. Come on. I actually think that's fine because it's my duty as the purchaser, the person spending all the money, the person who I'm expecting the lender to have a lot of faith in me to do the right thing by the money that they're lending me. It's my job to also read the lease, right? And then we can have a good discussion. Okay, so I don't hold that against her. You shouldn't be holding that against your solicitor either. You should read the lease. They should read the lease. Then you should chat. From that, pick up on anything that you think is weird. Now, please don't buy anything with a ground rent of over £350 per annum or anything that's going up, we just need to stop that. Um, At some stage, that is going to be banned. It's not banned right now, but at some stage it will be. So keep those ground rents to a minimum. And then look at any other onerous charges. What looks ridiculous? Are you being charged every single time you use the lift? I don't know, that's not actually a real charge. But Are you being charged every single time you want to put a new tenancy agreement in place? How much are you being charged for that? Why should you be being charged for that? It's not a standard charge. Are you being charged every time you want them to approve a paint colour for your property? Why would they have anything to do with that? Are you being charged every single time you need them to call out whatever whatever contractor is part of the Um, guarantee or the warranty, whatever it is you've got in the property, why would you be be being charged for that either? Look at the charges. Decide whether they're reasonable or not. I'll leave that up to you to do. 
uh, your mortgage lender is going to go through all of that as well. So ideally, you'd get rid of all the charges. Wait, you'd be saying to me now, Natasha, the freeholder will not negotiate with me. I get it. Most won't. Don't buy the property. (laughs) No one is forcing you to buy that property. And you may think that, you know, you are, you've spent a lot of time in your due diligence and, you know, you've done all of this stuff and, oh my gosh, Natasha, but I've been busy doing X, Y, and Z. Get it. I get it. But if it's going to cost you a lot over the long term, your mortgage lender is going to be funny about it and there's going to be no resale value, I wouldn't bother. Now, you can negotiate on these clauses and you can get them written out. And the way you do that is via deed of variation. But if it is a new build property, there is no lease in place. You are buying a new lease. You get to create it. And if the freeholder isn't going to negotiate, why would you buy it? Because it shows that they're a difficult person. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother getting involved. And that's a lesson that I've learned over the years as well. This isn't something that I was like, hell yeah, I'm really good at leasehold. I've learned this the hard way. I am telling you mistakes that I have made so that you don't make them. And now, seemingly, I am a leasehold expert. Well, you know, I love reading a lease, commercial lease, residential lease now. Give me a lease. I'll read through it for you. I've done this for the last 12 years, right? But I want you to get in this habit of making sure that you're buying properties that work for you, not buying them and then complaining that you've got a huge amount of fees. The only reason you're complaining about that is one, you didn't realize because you didn't read the lease. Two, your solicitor didn't tell you because you didn't ask them. Three, you didn't bother negotiating, right? And if they've got onerous clauses in there, but you still want to buy the property because it's going to make you a good yield, at least negotiate a discount. Come on. You know, developers sit there rubbing their hands together. You don't have to pay that price. Everything is open for negotiation. And quite frankly, if they won't negotiate with you, go spend your money elsewhere. It will start teaching them a lesson that they can't put stupid things in leases, that they can't be so bloody minded, that they can't start stonewalling you from the off. If they want people to buy their properties and their leases, they have to be reasonable. And it starts with you demanding that. Which leads me on to my next point. Do not use seller-recommended mortgages or solicitors So seller-recommended solicitors without doing your due diligence on them. I'm going to say that again. This is my professional advice to you, right? Do not use seller-recommended mortgages or solicitors. If the seller says to you, you must use my preferred solicitor, no, all right? You know, we're taught it when we're very little about, you know, say no to strangers. I'm telling you, say no to sellers who pressure you into using their solicitor and their mortgage lender. Okay, it's got to be a hard and fast rule because if they're doing that, there's a reason. One, they're probably using kickbacks or getting kickbacks. Number two, there is something that they're hiding. Why would they not be comfortable with you using your own solicitor? My gosh, if someone told me that I couldn't use my solicitor, I'd be like, all right, I'm not buying your property. See ya. And then go away and just do something else with my time and my money. Right, I'm telling you that. Far too often am I now seeing people say, well, the solicitor was the seller's solicitor and they didn't really tell me the things that I wanted to hear and, you know, they should have told me that and now I need to go back and sue them. I tell you what, lesson learned. 
don't use the seller's solicitors because chances are they're working for the seller as well. And so because of that, um, there's, there's some sort of conflict of interest, right? I would just assume that. Even if they go through all of the conflict of interest checks, I would just assume there's some sort of conflict of interest and go and use your preferred solicitor, okay? Same with mortgage brokers or mortgage lenders. Well, you know, we know what mortgage lender will lend over this property. Fun fact for you, a mortgage lender is not going to lend on every single property in the same block. They're not. It does not fit in with their risk. So if you've got a lender who's lent or loaned the mortgages on all of those properties, that would be a serious red flag. Whose money is that actually? Oof, oof. I'd be like, oof, walking away from this very quickly, actually. These are the sorts of things that you, as a property investor, should hear and be like, oh my goodness, this is dodgy practice, I'm out. Please, I cannot beg you enough that you need to be doing this. Don't use them, you get yourself in um, problems long term. Like, look, there may be some people who are like, I use a seller solicitor and they're absolutely fine. I use a seller's mortgage broker is absolutely fine. Great, good for you. But as a general rule of thumb, don't do it because you want your own independent, impartial advice. And you're going to get that through selecting your own solicitor and through selecting your own mortgage broker. You can use them if you do your due diligence and you think it's all fine. Don't get pushed up against the brick wall to use these people. Just don't do that. Don't enter into it. Just say no. Act like your seven-year-old younger self. Just say no. Leading me on to the next point. Please stop believing what's in the press or social media as facts. Okay, they have points. They have points. But I have been on social media this week trolled because apparently I got some things wrong about ground rents. No, I didn't. I didn't get anything wrong. This zero ground rent is not law. It's just what you've seen in the press. It's just developers making themselves feel good. Okay. If you don't do your research, you are being lazy. I would encourage you to do your research on everything. I mean, you can even go and do your research on this podcast if you like and do a bit of fact checking on me. I'm more than happy for you to do that. But what we have to get out of, we have to get out of, is just believing everything we see in the press, you know, these these clickbait headlines, and then the fact that they get shared around social media like they are fact. That is not what happens. When a new law comes in, especially in the property industry, the press pick up on the immediate consultation because inevitably there's headlines, right? Huge headlines. Um, And then that gets consulted on and then there are amendments and the amendments get consulted on. And then that goes through all this kind of bureaucracy. And then what we find is five years later, maybe the law slides under the door and it comes into pass and we don't hear anything about it. So what I'm saying to you is if you are believing the press as fact, great. I even do, I write sometimes in the press. I mean, you will have seen last week, for any of you Telegraph subscribers, I did a lot on shared ownership, right? That's fine. But they phone me up and they ask me for my opinion. They don't phone me up and ask me for facts. So really they can quote anything. And I'm glad they didn't quote me as saying anything weird because obviously I don't do that. But, you know, they can essentially because I don't, 
proof what they send out, right? They're on the phone to me. They ask me questions. I say the answers and they can go and write what they like because they publish it without me seeing it. Okay. Now it wouldn't be great for me if they published something that I hadn't said or was false, but who knows? You know, who knows what they're going to do? I help them because I trust the people that I speak to or I have to have some trust with the people that I speak to, you know? But what I'm saying to you is that unless you fact check something and you've gone through everything and you've done your own research, how do you know it's the truth? You could just be barking up the garden path. Please, your property business is so valuable. Let's do a bit of research. Now, for my clients, it's my job to go and fact check everything and I actually do have a group of peer reviewers for the members club who I get together on a quarterly basis and we go through sections of the members club and all of the resources that I'm putting out and we just make sure that it's all okay, right? I'm paid to do that. That's for my clients. If you're consuming news stories or social media, does it have to be true? I'll ask you that question. You think about it, right? So let's not get angry or frustrated about things that come out in the press and haven't come into law, they're not come to pass yet. Instead, use that to think, oh, is there a consultation? Could I get involved in that consultation? Brilliant, I'm gonna go and have my say. That is what being an active participant in the property industry is all about, and I recommend you do it. And as well as that, do some really good research, read everybody's sources. You know, even I see it in the property industry, right? I see the different affiliations that different press sources have with larger companies, um, certain regulatory bodies, uh, certain uh, parties in government. You must know that they do that. So read everything, read everything, get a clear overarching view of what's going on. Please, please, that will help you be an active participant in this industry. Okay, I think I've preached on that enough. Let's move on. This one, this next one, it's courtesy of one of my clients, Manj. Thank you for bringing this up. Um, check special conditions at auction for buyer's fees especially. And if you're looking at something that you want to buy at auction, and maybe you've checked it a week before, you've registered your interest, you're really excited, night before or morning of, go and check those special conditions again. And please make sure that they haven't added additional fees because a lot of Auction houses are doing that. What you do not want to do is be bidding on this property and then have 15 grand worth of fees as well to pay afterwards. Yes, auction houses can do that. It's your responsibility to do your due diligence and check. Now that you know, you need to check. Next up, commercial tenants thinking they hold all of the cards. This again is a big thing. Commercial tenants are now trying to renegotiate on their leases, quite rightly so. If they have a lease that isn't working for them or they don't think they're going to be able to afford going forward, great. They come to the table, they have a discussion with you. But that doesn't mean that they hold all of the cards. That simply means that they're declaring their hand. Once they declare your hand, you can think about it and you can negotiate. Don't be forced into thinking, I'm never gonna get another commercial tenant. Oh my gosh, I have to accept this. There are plenty of commercial tenants out in the market looking for next year and looking to expand. Yeah, they may be trying to capitalize on these cheap rents. Fine, you would be too if you were a 
a tenant, but your job is to make sure that you are future proofing yourself. And here's the other thing. Tenants that are in arrears have no right to negotiate right now because they're on the back foot. I mean, come January, if they really don't want to come to the table and negotiate with you, what do you do if they're in arrears? You go forfeit the lease. And that may sound extreme, but they can't be trying to negotiate with you whilst not paying the rent because they think they hold all the cards. Well, you say, hold on a second, I'll forfeit the lease. If you really don't have any money, I'm really worried about my position going forward. Why don't I try that? I mean, people who are listening to this and you know, you're you're not my clients, please go get um a surveyor's advice on this, go get professional advice. But that's a last resort. But they don't hold all the cards. And so what needs to happen at the moment is conversation, a meeting of minds to decide what both parties want and coming to a preferred solution. It's probably not going to be the best solution. But honestly, there are solutions to every single problem. So don't think that you're going into negotiation with your back up against the wall. You're not. You're not. There is always an angle that you can go from. And then finally, here's a blind spot that I think we need to just be cautiously, cautiously thinking about. Sellers being told market value is way higher than it is because agents are using accepted offers as comparables. Ooh, this is something that we need to be really, really, really aware of because an accepted offer isn't necessarily the price that's paid at completion. And the reason being is we go back to the first and second point, lenders are not necessarily lending at the price that's agreed because they know that there's a huge amount of risk. But Agents are going to sellers and saying, well, the market's hot right now. We're getting offers here and here. And this is what you should be putting the property on the market for. Sellers are then like, yaha, I'm putting it on the market. I'm about to make a lot of money. And then they don't get those offers because, you know, the market's not there. Lenders won't lend. So just be really aware of that. The market may seem hot underneath the covers, probably not so hot. So use that to your advantage. Make sure that when you're offering, you're prepared to leave the offer on the table for a little bit of time because I think, interestingly, it will come back to you. So there we have it, guys. The blind spots in property investment you need to be aware of right now. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all of that on board and then I want you to tell me, is there anything extra we need to be adding here? What else? do we need to be adding to these blind spots? Because the industry is changing on a weekly basis right now. And it's going to change even quicker if we don't get a deal out of Brexit. So please let me know. What are you thinking about? What are you um, seeing right now in the market? You can get in contact with me via Instagram or Twitter at Natasha C. Collins or simply leave a review on this podcast. I would love to see what you think. Do make sure that you like, rate, review, subscribe. I hope this is useful. I hope it's giving you information that you can take forward. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I'll catch up with you again very, very soon.